Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. My kids are hilarious. Every morning that they have school, I have to take them to school, right? I have to get them up, get them ready for school. Not always the easiest task, not always pleasant. They don't always go quietly um, and calmly. Sometimes there's a little bit of stress associated with getting out of the house. Um, sometimes some yelling involves, could be anybody really. Um, but it's not easy. It's, e- it's not easy to get the kids to school. But eventually we get them in the car, we get to school, we drop them off and kick them out of the car. Um, but Lizzie, if you haven't met my six-year-old, she always takes forever to get out of the car. And it's not because she's little, it's because she is the queen and I'm going to take my time and I'm going to get out of the car as slowly as I would like to, mother. Thank you very much. So I patiently wait for Elizabeth to get out of the car, and I roll down my window, and I say, I love you, Lizzie. I love you so much. Have a good day. And she goes, I love you too, Mommy, more than anything except Jesus. And yeah, it's so sweet. It makes me really love her, especially in those moments when I'm not feeling very much love towards her. I'm like, oh, at least she loves Jesus, right? Lord, take care of her. Um, She needs it. So do I. Um, but yeah, my, my hope is that every person who calls Jesus Lord feels the same way. I love you more than anything except Jesus, right? We're called to love God first and love God most and love God best, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The Bible talks about so many different ways that God loves us, so many different ways that he pours into us, that he cares for us. He sent his only son to die on the cross. He gave us the Bible, we have a love story written to us with all of the things that we need to know to get to where we need to be in our relationship with Christ. He's cared for us so well that we are taken care of and that he loves us. But today we're going to talk about shifting that focus of of love to him, back to him. Um, I think it's really easy to tell each other, tell other people how much Jesus loves us. Oh, God loves me so much. I'm so blessed. So blessed. But when was the last time you walked around going, let me tell you about how much I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much. I'm not gushy. I'm not a gushy type of lovey person. Um, I, I just am not. And so that's not my first thought. Um, I don't do that with people either. I'm working on it. But my first thought isn't to be like, oh, let me tell you how much I love Jesus. I love him so much. Right? That's not my first go-to. But, so I'm learning too, and we can learn about this together. But I have a friend, and he told my husband and I the other day, he was going through the drive-thru, and he goes through the same drive-thru every day, gets the same coffee every day from the same barista every day. And so he's going through the drive-thru, and he had like a camp shirt on or a Jesus shirt or something, and the barista goes, are you a Christian? And he goes, well, yes, I am. And she goes, huh, wouldn't have thought. <laughs> yeah, kind of threw him for a loop. Um, and he honestly, honestly, his little heart was just so hurt that she didn't see Jesus in the two seconds that she saw him in the drive through because he orders the same coffee every day. Like, it's ready when he pulls up. I'm trying to explain, like, she only sees you for two seconds, like, every day. And he was like, yeah, but she should see Jesus in me. It did make me think, I I really, 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 really do want Jesus to be seen through me. I want people to see Jesus in me. 
But those little things remind us that people are always watching, right? People are always looking to see what you're going to do. The Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I want my heart to be filled with love towards God. So much so that everything I say, everything I do is reflected of him. Today we're talking about loving God back. We're talking about loving him well, loving him as he deserves to be loved. Um, but first we need to know who God is in order to do that. Our key verse for today is Mark 12:30, and it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Most people think that that verse begins with love the Lord with all your heart. Kind of does. It really begins with love the Lord your God. So who is the Lord your God? There's a place in your bulletin for you to write that if you want. I suggest maybe getting a journal or something. Um, it's really healthy. It's a spiritual discipline to journal, to write down what the Lord speaks to you. But I would, I would think about how do you love the Lord your God? What does that mean to you? Who is he? Who is the Lord your God? And I remember growing up, the first image I had of the Lord was, he's my daddy. I came to know the Lord when I was in the third grade watching TBN with my mom or something. And I wanted to accept Jesus in my heart, and so I did. And the first thing that I recognized in him was that he is the perfect father. He is my perfect father. But out of that, he became so much more, right? He, he's, if we don't put God in a box, don't put God in a box. He becomes so much more when we learn to love him and we learn to grow in him. And I learned when I was little, um, I learned a creed, and it's called the Nicene Creed. It was authored in 325 AD. Um, and what it was is it's a statement of belief. It's a profession of faith that the people of the church came together and said, we need to tell, we need to let people know this is what we believe. This is what our faith is based on, especially because there are so many different religions and sects and just different things going on in those times. And so they came up with this creed, and it says, We believe in one God, the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us, and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered, died, and was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascends into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son, and with the Father and Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one and holy apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. That's a lot of things that God is. That is who he is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is what we believe as a church, but you have to decide what you believe about God in your heart. Who is he to you? As we get to know him more, we should want to know who he is. We should be falling in love with his word. We should be falling in love with the Holy Spirit. We should be falling in love with all aspects of who he is. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. 
But the, the best starting point to start from is to believe that God is God and I am not. Right? You can start there. And that's the best part about this because you don't have to know everything about God to get to know him. That's the whole point of relationship, right? You don't just walk up to somebody on the street and you're like, hi, I'm Bob. Hi, I'm George. Okay, I know everything about you now. That's not how it works. You have to get to know somebody. You have to be in relationship with somebody. Mark 12, 30 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the first part of this is, is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. God always starts with the heart. He always speaks to your heart first. That's the part of us that says, okay, I know there's something out there. I know there's a God. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? Who is he? And if we're willing to step into that and say, okay, God, show me. He totally will, and he does. Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14, God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. To love the Lord with all your heart means to seek him. To love the Lord with all your heart means to earnestly seek him. It means to love him with all your emotions, at all times, in all situations, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. The Bible says that he will never leave us or forsake us. And when we love the Lord with all of our heart, we kind of start to turn that around. And we come to the place where we want to say to him, Lord, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. That's what your heart says to the Lord once you've accepted him. Isaiah 61.10 says, I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Heart love is a gut-feeling type of love. It is a loyal type of love, and it's a love that grows deeper and deeper um, until we truly reach the place where we can say, I am content no matter what because of Christ who gives me strength sustenance, and courage. That's Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I am content no matter what. That's what heart love does. The root word of courage is the word cor, which in Latin it means the word heart. Loving the Lord with all your heart is courageous. It's intentional. Psalms 27, 8 says, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. In this verse, the author is saying, my heart is telling me, my heart is screaming at me to seek the face of the Lord. And so I will seek his face. You see, once we've made that decision, once we've made that choice, once we've even made that acknowledgement sometimes that God is God, our heart starts seeking his love. Our heart starts seeking his face. We don't always recognize that, which is why we look for love in so many different places, right? Why we look for that contentedness in so many other places. But we're, what we're really looking for, what we're really seeking is the Lord. What we're really seeking is his love to fill our heart. If we make our prayer, Lord, help me to seek your face then it will become our heart's desire to seek his face. Because what we ask him for, he's going to give us. 
If you ask for him to give you the will and the desire to seek his face, then he's going to make it possible for you to seek his face. Sometimes it's, it's not easy. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I'm exhausted. But if I say, Lord, help me, he's always there to help me want to want to seek his face. Psalm 63, 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. If loving the Lord with all your heart is earnestly seeking him, then to love the Lord with all your soul means that you thirst for him. The soul is the wellspring of life. To love the Lord with all your soul is that means that you are thirsting for him. Psalm 61 or 63, 1, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Let your whole being long for the Lord. Loving the Lord with all your soul is an automatic function. Once we've loved the Lord with all of our heart, and, and I, I should say, like, all of these things keep happening forever. We're, we're never going to master this verse. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You're never going to get there till we get to heaven. So this isn't like a checklist. This isn't like, oh, okay, got the heart. Let's do that. Okay, let's do the soul next. No, all these things work together. But I do believe that the Lord puts them in order for a reason. He starts with the heart and we're moving to the soul. And your soul thirsting for him is an automatic function. It's just like breathing. Breathing is an automatic function that we have, right? If you don't breathe, you pass out. It's pretty cut and dry, right? You got to have oxygen to survive. You guys know that? Yeah? 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 We awake? Did you know that there are unhealthy and healthy ways to breathe? I did not know this until I think I was 22 or 23, and I broke a rib. I was playing football. I was being stupid, and I shouldn't have been doing it. And I broke a rib, and I went to the doctor and said, fix me. And he goes, I can't. And I'm like, what? And he goes, well, yeah, you have a broken rib. It'll, it'll fix itself. It's not that bad. You'll heal. And I'm like, but it hurts like, yeah, it's going to hurt. And I said, okay. And he goes, the most important thing that you can do, though, is breathe. And I'm like, I'm breathing. I'm right here. I'm breathing. No, he's like, no, you have to breathe well. And he gave me physical therapy exercises to breathe because he said if I didn't breathe right, I was going to get pneumonia and I was going to end up in the hospital because it hurts to breathe when you have a broken rib. The American Lung Association states that there is absolutely a right and a wrong way to breathe. Good breathing balances your electrolytes. It puts oxygen throughout your system. I also learned that yawning cools down your brain. Did you know that? Didn't know that. I, I learned so much this last week. Bad breathing results in pneumonia, high blood pressure. Um, if you don't have oxygen, it shuts down your whole body and you die. Your brain cannot live without oxygen. You have to breathe. Loving the Lord with all your soul is just like breathing. There's a healthy way to breathe, and there is a not healthy way to breathe. If you're not breathing, you're dead. Loving the Lord with all your soul is just like breathing. If we do it right, we thrive. If we do it wrong, we aren't living up to our spiritual potential. But we get to choose to be as healthy as we want to be. 
God made our souls to thirst for love. But that's why we look for love everywhere else. Our souls need to thirst and find and seek the love of Jesus. And God is most glorified in us when we are satisfied in him. Let me say that a different way. We are, the glory of God is seen in us when our soul is satisfied in him, when that thirst is quenched by the Lord. Then people see him glorified in us. So our hearts seek him, and our soul thirsts for him, and our minds focus on him, your mind. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love the Lord with all your mind. I'm sure there's a song somewhere, but I don't know it, so you're pretty lucky. Loving God with all our mind means to intentionally turn our focus to him. It's a choice. Just like we choose to be healthy in life, we get to choose to be healthy in him. And when we love God with all of our mind, we intentionally turn our focus to him, making him a priority in our mind, holding every, every thought captive to the Lord. Loving God with my mind re means renewing my mind daily. It means checking in with him. It means talking to him. It means studying his word. It means making sure that all the things in my head are of him. And when they're not, calling myself out and talking to the Lord about it. Holding myself accountable to him. 600 years ago, before Jesus came to the earth, the Lord or 600 years before Jesus came, the Lord said to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant. It will not be like the covenant that I made with your ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. God says I am making a new covenant, writing the word on our hearts. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah 31, 33. We have to let God write his words on our hearts. All of those Bible verses, all of those scriptures that you memorized when you were little, that's what that means. God's written those words on your heart. And sometimes we can't help it. Like, we learned all those things when we were little, and they're there, and God recalls them as we need them, but we still have to continue to learn. We have to continue to write his word on our hearts. We have to continue to let him plant it in there. And we do that by not allowing other things to take hold, taking up the space. I don't know if you guys were here when I, the first time I preached, I used this glass jar and it had rocks and sand in it. And I used it as a completely different analogy, but it reminds me of like all of the thoughts and things that we put in our mind. All of them are all those rocks filling up a jar. Imagine rocks filling up a jar. Here's a thought, here's a thought, here's a thought, here's a thought, here's a thought. And then the Lord pours himself in on us. And if those thoughts aren't all of the Lord, then they're useless. Like all of those things in there, that this, I mean, it doesn't make that much sense, my analogy, but it's all useless. Anything that's not of him is not going to be helpful. It is not going to help me. Part of our job is to study him, study who he is. We have to learn about him in order to love him well. 
Have you ever met somebody who was in a relationship and they like didn't know anything about the person they were dating? Like, what's their favorite color? I don't know. What's their favorite food? I don't know. Do you even know this person? Like, seriously. If we know God, if he's in our heart and we're loving him with our soul, in order to love him with our mind, we have to get to know him. We get to know his likes. We get to know his dislikes. We get to know how he likes to be loved. And out of that, we can love others. Out of that, we can take care of ourselves. But we have to love God and learn how to love him. We have to listen to him, right? I, am, I have learned to learn to listen. Like, I am not a good listener in general, especially if my brain's going. Anybody else like that? Like, my brain is going, I cannot hear what you're saying. Some of you are identifying with me right now. But your brain's going, your brain's going, and you can't hear what anybody's saying. But when you're in relationship, you learn to turn that off. You learn to care about what the person is saying. We need to care about what God is saying to us, whether it's in his word or in our heads or in our hearts. Whatever he's saying to us is important. We have to become active listeners. An active listener is defined as making a conscious effort to hear, understand, and retain information that's being relayed to you. Are we actively listening to the Lord? Or sometimes we do hear him, and sometimes we go, oh, well, whatever. Right? I do it. Amen. I have silly things, silly things. So I don't know if you guys, I've told you guys this. The Lord gives me parking spots. I love parking spots. I love the parking spot right next to the door to the store. I, the Target parking spot? I lo- you know what I'm talking about. Everybody loves that spot. And every once in a while, I will have a terrible day. I have a, I'll just have a terrible day, and I'll be praying. I pray a lot in my car. I don't know if you guys do that. I pray in my car a lot. But I'll be having a terrible day, and I'm just like, Lord, I just need something. I just need something. And he'll be like, just wait. And I'm like, okay. No, literally wait. I'm like, no, I'm finding a parking spot. I'm not going to wait. And I will come around, and I will find a spot, and then I will see it. The target spot was open. And I did not wait. I did not look up. And it was right there for me. And I didn't get it because I wasn't willing to wait. And that's just a silly example, I know. But we have to listen to the Lord in the silly things. If he says, go to CVS and buy a lollipop, go to CVS and buy a lollipop. Don't get crazy. I mean, you need to learn how to hear the Lord to know that's who told you to go do it, okay? Like, if you hear voices, I love you. We have a ministry for that. Um, But... We really need to spend time with him to know what he's saying, to know that it's the Lord speaking to you, and it should line up with the word. Whatever happens after the Lord tells you to do something should line up with the word. It will give you an opportunity for rest, or it will give you an opportunity to care for somebody else, or it will give you an opportunity to tell someone else about Jesus. If we aren't actively listening to the Lord, we'll miss all those opportunities. We have to listen to him. And if we aren't actively listening to the Lord— Does that show him how much we love him? He's talking all the time. And sometimes it's like, eh, whatever. Lord, don't let us have that attitude. Don't let me have that attitude. We have to fight to claim our own mind and our thoughts for the Lord. We're talking about loving the Lord with all our mind. 
Because if we can truly focus all of our thoughts and filter them through the Holy Spirit and filter them through the inspired word of the Lord, then nothing can come against us. That is where the war is waged in your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient. I wrote this in my notes this week, but I am so sorry that I have no idea where I copied it from. But these are not my words, but I'm going to read them to you really quickly. It says, Our thoughts must be submitted to his control if we want to survive the spiritual warfare around us. Spirit-empowered believers must capture every thought and yield it to Christ. When exposed to ideas or opportunities that might lead to wrong desires, we have a choice. We can recognize the danger and turn away, or we can allow unhealthy thoughts to take us captive. We take every thought captive when we honestly admit them to the Lord and ask him to redirect our thinking. We take every thought captive when we honestly admit them to the Lord and ask him to redirect our thinking. Ask God to give you the discernment to hear his truth. When we love God with all of our minds, they will be changed. They will be re renewed. You'll stop thinking about those things that you don't want to think about because you're filling your mind with the truth of the Lord, with the truth of the word. Fill it up with all the good stuff so all the bad stuff doesn't fit in there anymore. We love God with all of our minds when we pay attention to him, to his truth, to his people, to the Holy Spirit, we have to pay attention. The last part of this verse is strength. Love the Lord with all your strength. For me, sometimes that means just do it, right? Love the Lord with all your strength. Just take action. To love the Lord with all your strength and all your might is actually the opposite. It means to surrender. It means to release whatever you're holding on to so tightly. It means to lift your hands up to the Lord. Lord, help us to surrender our will to you. And in that, he makes us strong. In the surrender, he makes us strong. This is the part we lay down our will for his will. No longer my will, but your will be done, Lord. Words are meaningless without action. We can tell God we love him all day long, but if we're not willing to do something for him, whether it's like a tangible, actual thing, or whether it's something in your heart or your mind or your soul, if we aren't willing to take action, then all of those words are meaningless. You can say I love you all day long. Show me. My husband knows. Bring me a Diet Coke and a Snickers bar and I'm set. Right? It's the little things. You know me. You know what makes me happy. He also has a huge gift for patience. So that helps a lot. 